My name is Shane. I'm the church mobilization team leader at North American Mission Board. Spent a few years with uh, Nam in New York City as a missionary before going out to Vegas. Vance, who spoke this morning, I was actually his mission pastor uh, for four and a half years in Las Vegas. We were able to be a part of some of that great work he told you guys about this morning and planting churches. And I know for us at Hope, and Vance will tell you this, that... Uh, we made a whole lot more mistakes than we did things right. I can tell you that right now. We just knew that God told us we need to multiply. And so God bless, and as, as hope grew, hope planted, and we just did it. But we learned a lot um, by doing things wrong. And so as I come to North American Mission Board, one of my roles is, is to help develop ways to help pastors and churches plant churches. There's tons of training out there uh, for planters to plant churches, but there's not much out there in a concise format to help a church plant a church. And what does that take? What does that look like uh, from biblical basis to vision to practicality and budget and all that kind of stuff? And so as I learned from doing a lot of mistakes, even to hope, trying to apply some of that, that's where we're headed. And today, uh, what we want to do as part of that is I want you to hear from two pastors who have led their church to plant churches. Um, maybe it's been new for them, maybe it hasn't, but I want you to hear their story. I want you to hear where they're going from. The first one I want you to hear from uh, this morning is Pastor Dean Sisk of Bel Air Baptist Church in the Murfreesboro, Tennessee area, and uh, I specifically watched kind of his story from behind the scenes. He didn't know at the time, but the, one of the stories I want him to share with you this morning, I was in New York City as it was happening and was just watching God do an amazing thing with this southern church taking a lead in something in the northeast, and so it was really neat to watch that happen. So I don't actually want you to hear from me today. I want you to hear from these two pastors and how God's used them to do it and how uh, see what we can glean from uh, how God's used them and maybe how you can apply some of the principles they've learned in your church. And then I'll be wrapping it up here at the end with some next steps, and hopefully we'll have time for you guys to ask these guys some questions about their journey. So, Pastor Dean, man, come on up and share with us. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's an honor to uh, be able to, to be a part of this workshop today. Um, I've been a pastor over 30 years, and the uh, first several years when I was a pastor, I uh, go with great eagerness to a conference, and I go to a main session or a, a breakout session or something like this, and uh, knowing that the guys that I would be hearing from would be the guys who, who had it all together, and, uh, uh, and I just wanted to copy them. Uh, well, you know, God humbles you as you, uh, as you walk with him and as you have the opportunity to serve, and, and uh, it's a relief in a way to find out that nobody <laughs> really has it all together, and, and even those who seek to uh, encourage or teach others are doing so on the basis of their own weaknesses, and uh, much of what they are able to teach you is by their own mistakes. Um, the main thing I want to encourage you with today is, is to know that uh, the main thing that God can, can use uh, that you all hopefully have because you're here is, is your willingness. Uh, you, you want to serve him, and, and you feel specifically that God wants to use you in some way, or use your church in some way, uh, to help birth other churches or help other churches who have just been born to uh, get on their feet. Uh, at at Bel Air, we'd been, I'd been pastor there for many years, and we'd, we were doing a lot of mission stuff, uh, not just giving you know, generously to mission causes, but we were going on mission trips and and, uh, and, and things like that. So we were becoming more and more active in terms of missions, but we felt like that we needed to, uh, to, to do, uh, be more strategic, uh, that we needed to make our efforts count. We needed to make our money uh, and, our, and our manpower and our resources uh, more funneled in a, in, in a direction where it would have the be- best results. And we felt like that that was primarily through church planning. We felt like it was the best stewardship of our time and resources. And we didn't exactly know how to do that, but we were, we were willing. We, we wanted to be used. And so it's marvelous. It's almost like our salvation of how God in his grace says, okay, here's this bumbling, stumbling, you know, uh, uh, mistake-ridden pastor or church or whatever, and yet, bless their hearts, they want to be used. And so I will condescend in my grace, and I will empower them to, to be part of what I want to do. And so what came together for us was there was the willingness, and, and that led to a relationship. We, we had a relationship with a man who uh, had been our college minister. Uh, and you've already heard him several times in this uh, conference, Aaron Coe. 
Uh, Aaron came to uh, our church through our college ministry uh, at MTSU, and he was part of our college ministry. He became our second college minister. And then after he left, uh, a couple of years later, he was working with the North American Mission Board, and he was in the New York City area, and he uh, had kept up with us. We had a great relationship, and he, he knew that we would be a good fit with a church that was just getting started in New Brunswick, New Jersey, called The Point. And it was uh, established to be a campus community church, which is basically what Bel Air is in terms of our relationship with the MTSU campus. And so he saw The Point as maybe someday being what Bel Air became uh, down in Murfreesboro. So he said, you guys would be a, a great fit with that pastor and his team and that church. And so uh, he, he, through that relationship with Aaron, we entered into a relationship with Kevin Pounds, who was the, the lead pastor then of The Point, and from that came the opportunity to be a part of what they were doing. Uh, the, the challenge came uh, from God through Aaron and through Kevin uh, to be part of, of that work. Then from that, through partnering with The Point and uh, sending teams up there and spending time with them, getting to know what things were like there uh, uh, near Rutgers University and there in downtown uh, New Brunswick and out in the more suburban areas of East Brunswick, uh, we began then to form a more uh, cohesive kind of, of strategy. And so we began making a strategic commitment. We developed at Bel Air, an annual church plant offering. And uh, for three years, we committed to support, through the church plant offering, the Point Church in New Brunswick. And then, after three years to the Point, we, we helped to, uh, for three years to focus on the Gallery Church in, in Manhattan, where Aaron Coe was the pastor. And then from the Gallery Church in Manhattan, for the last three years, we have supported Uh, our former associate pastor who's now planted a church in Portland, Maine. Uh, Our Acts 1-8 strategy focuses basically on, uh, of course, Murfreesboro, uh, our Jerusalem, and then East Tennessee to a rather impoverished area of our state in the Elizabethan area of East Tennessee. And then our Samaria, we believe, is the northeastern part of the United States. And uh, uh, our uttermost is... is, uh, uh, partnership in a city that we've had for about 10 years in, a, let's say, a large country in East Asia. So uh, we've been there a, a good many years. And so, and now our current college minister is leaving at the end of this year, and he's going to, to, to the Miami area, and he's going to be planning a church uh, near Miami, uh, which is one of the, the, the mega-focused uh, churches. Uh, of the next several years, and so we have already committed to supporting him. Although sp- the specifics of that have not been uh, yet worked out. So, from from the the willingness, then God brought into our lives a relationship that was we found was already there to some degree. From the relationship, there came an opportunity, and when we responded to the opportunity, then He helped us to develop a strategic commitment. And from that, there came a pattern. Uh, the pattern being uh, going to another field, helping another pastor, starting another church. Uh, because we believe that the best way, personally for us at Bel Air, the best way that we can do missions is through planning churches. Uh, we believe there's many other ways that you can do missions effectively, but we believe the best thing for us is through uh, planning churches. And so we, we seek to, we seek with that uh, planning church pastor, uh, we, we seek to, to be sure that, that our relationship with him is based on mutual trust. We trust him. He trusts us. Uh, mutual respect is not, you know, the, uh, the, the pastor of the big church condescendingly, you know, trying to help out the little pastor of the new church. Uh, mutual accountability, this is what we expect from him. And he should expect certain things from us that we'll be good to our word, to do what we said that we would do to support him, and mutual commitment. We're not going to stop midway in our commitment to you and leave you high and dry. When we say we're going to support you for three years, we're going to do it. 
And uh, we have shown through our partnerships thus far that we are true to those commitments. And so I think word kind of gets out. Uh, there's, I don't think, I think there's sort of an informal church planners network where when you find out that there is a church that is willing to do what it can by the grace of God to, to be a blessing to a church planner, word gets out about that church and God then brings to that sending church more opportunities. But it begins with you saying, here I am, here, here's my weak, fumbling self, but God, I really want you to use me. It's amazing what God will do. And, um, and you can do what we've done at Bel Air. You can, many of you could do much more than we've done. And we are still trying to figure it out as we go. Uh, but just let that brief testimony hopefully be a bit of an encouragement to you that... Um, that, that the direction that God sent us on, that, uh, that he can do greater things through what he wants to do through you as well. So that's pretty much. I'll ask you a couple questions. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Tell me real quick, Dean, what, was there, did you or was there any fear when you first led Bel Air to taking that leap of faith and going with the point? Talk to me for a second about your people and you as the lead pastor. What did you feel as you're about to ask them to step out on this ledge and to go for something they haven't done before? Well, there was a, um, there was a little bit of fear, and, and there always is. In fact, the church we've uh, helped in uh, Maine, I mean, Maine, the northeast uh, up in Maine, the New England area, is about as dark as anywhere in the United States in terms of spiritual health. And, you know, the, the pastor there has, he's, he, he's founded the church, Christ Fellowship Church. They've even already bought a building because in New England, they don't really recognize you as a, being a legitimate church like they do in other parts of the country. If you're in a storefront or somewhere, you need to be in a church building. So we've been able actually to help them buy a building. But right now they're running about 30 people uh, in, in worship, which is not bad because they've just been going a few months. But we don't know how that's going to go. You know, we don't know if it's going to grow, grow to be as um, healthy, let's say, as uh, the gallery became in New York City. Uh, but God had already previously given us some reasons to be confident. We, when I first came to Bel Air, and I've been there almost 23 years, the church had just taken on a Korean mission, which was meeting in our church. And so now there is a Korean Baptist church in Murfreesboro that came from our church. And so we had a little bit of a uh, very brief track record that we could look on to, to have a sense of confidence. Plus, we trusted Aaron. We, we knew Aaron. He was one of us. He was, he was someone we entrusted our college ministry of several hundred students to. And so when he said, I really believe this is a good fit for you, a lot of our willingness to commit to the point was based on our trust and our relationship with him. Shows how important yeah, I would say relationship is. We, I hope Absolutely. we used to always say that the mission runs on the rails of relationships. Absolutely, uh, like we just believe God runs that way. Uh, one last question, if you don't mind sharing some detail, because I just happened to observe from behind the scenes. But I know God did something really cool with your church, even when it came to the finances. What what kind of step of faith was this going to take to support the point? Would you mind sharing for a second about? What did it take? And when you first launched out on this endeavor of the point, what did you think would happen? And then what really happened when it came to the finances of trying to step out and really make that happen? Well, we had a, as you probably have, we have a, you know, a mission section in our budget, but it's a relatively, it's not a big part of our budget. And so we rely on our church plan offering to be the main thing that, that uh, supports these church plans. Um, and uh, usually we set a goal. And we started off by setting some audacious goals. Um, and uh, this past March, we set a goal of um, $125,000, and we exceeded uh, $140,000 wow, uh, in our giving on that one Sunday. And that's after we had already also exceeded our goal in giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we discovered that when you throw out the challenge, and you, and you show people why this is something they should invest in themselves, and they see how it has already worked in the past in a couple of uh, other situations, then many times our problem as leaders is we're not giving them big enough challenges. And we're not, we're not giving them enough opportunities to respond to things like that. And we have found, 
to our constant amazement that whenever we do give the challenge, usually they, they don't just meet it, they far exceed it. Man, that's great. Thank We're you. very grateful for that. That's awesome. I appreciate you, Dean. In okay. a minute, we'll, we may have some more questions for you, okay. but for now, what I'm going to do is invite uh, Tim Dowdy to come up. Tim is the pastor of Eagles Landing Baptist Church in Metro Atlanta. Many of you know Tim. So appreciative of you, what you're doing at your church, and also as you uh, serve on our trustees. Thank you for your leadership with our organization. But tell us about Eagles Landing, what God's doing with you guys through planting. Well, it's good to see you. Appreciate uh, you guys being here. It's been great for me to be here and be a part of this. Um, I actually rotated off the Board of Trustees um, in May, and uh, but it's a great honor to be a part of that and to be a part of what, what God's doing. And I would, I would echo what Dean said. Listen, I'm not an expert on church planning. Um, I have one experience, been pastor of the same church for 23 years, started as a mission pastor, and just kind of grown up with the church, and, and God's blessed in that. And uh, but, but along the way, um, you know, some cool things happened in my life that have been transferred to the life of our church. Um, we were always engaged in missions, always going on mission trips, engaging internationally and, and, uh, and locally. And, uh, and one of the frustrations I always had was you go somewhere two weeks, and then you, know, you pour into a place, and then you back out, and if you go back there a year later, it's the same place it was when you left it uh, a year ago. And you're like, man, this is not, we're not gaining ground here. I mean, we're not making up, we're not making a difference here long term. And um, God really just started using that as just kind of a, the beginning point of uh, put on my heart, hey, this needs to be, look a little differently. And we had been a part of helping with some church plants, but not been um, a part of our strategy. I mean, the a main part of our strategy in reaching the world with the gospel was church planting. And so uh, combined with that and then going on um, the board at the North American Mission Board and meeting all these pastors and church planners and guys doing work in a lot of different parts of North America and seeing the great need, um, God really burdened my heart that we need to do something different in life for our church. And I've got some, some notes I want to pass out, and um, really this is more to keep me on track and give you something to do while I talk. So um, hopefully it will be helpful, but because um, when, when I was preparing for this, I said, okay, I want you to talk a little bit about what were the steps for you becoming ascending church? Because now our church has taken on the responsibility of being one of the lead sending churches for Send Miami. And we've been working in uh, uh, the Miami area, and um, it's been a real, real blessing. But I want, I want to walk through a couple things. Because becoming ascending church for us, and I think for anybody, is a process. Um, but when you are ascending church, it's a commitment. I mean, this is. This is not, you know, I, I, I love that we're making it easy for anybody to get involved, and we need to make it, because anybody can get involved. But you need to know, um, you've you got to man up. When you're going to be ascending church, and you're going to step up and say, hey, we're going to do this and do it. And it is, it is a real commitment to do that. People are counting on you like never before outside of your own environment. And so the first step to that is real simple, but... Um, because it's the most difficult, you you really got to pray. You got to pray through your um, direction, the direction of your church for the investment in the future. I mean, you've got to really decide this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be about. And, and, you know, it it sounds like a simple thing, um, and it is easy to pray, but you've got to hear the voice of God and the heart of God for you, for your church, for your environment, um, because there's so much at stake when you get involved. Second thing is, um, I think you've got to expand the horizon of your church so that the church family sees the entire world as their mission field. You know, um, our church has been really good about reaching out to the community around us. I mean, been very, very um, committed to uh, continue to expand the borders of our reach in our own community and touching lives of people around us and getting engaged in ministries in our own community. Um, and, and, and even to some extent with these mission trips, it's seen, you know, we, we, have a, we have a little investment in other parts of the world, but they've not seen that as our mission field. And so one of the things that I started doing, um, and again, this is just my experience, started having um, a vision day. A lot of people have those. We, it, the, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, we just call it Super Bowl Sunday, and on that day, um, uh, I just take the whole day and talk about where we're headed and what we're doing. And um, a couple of years ago, as God really began to burden my heart, kind of changed the environment for that day and started calling it uh, Frontier Awaits. And every um, 
now it's the first Sunday of February, every uh, Super Bowl Sunday, I just paint a picture of the world for our church. What does the world look like? Um, what does it really look like? What are we doing to reach the world with the gospel of Christ? And then how can we do more? I mean, that's what the whole day is a part uh, is about. And you know what? To be honest with you, everybody doesn't get excited about that. I mean, when you when you spend the day talking about how you're going to reach people you don't even know, there are a lot of people in your church. To be honest, we get we all get real selfish. Now, I want our pastor talking about how we're going to do better children's ministry, how we're going to do better student ministry, how we're going to do how we're going to take care of our stuff better. And then uh, I remember one one young couple in our church. Um, decided they were going to leave, and so I was just inquiring, okay, what's the deal? Why are you leaving? And they said, well, you know, we listened to Frontier Wait today, and we didn't agree with anything you said. All I talked about was sharing the gospel of Jesus with a world that was lost. And uh, they were like, no, no, we want to take care of our stuff. We got small kids, and, you know, we don't don't neglect that. Okay, that's that's not a problem for us. But everybody's not excited about that, but the truth is not nobody. Most people don't even see that. Most people in our churches don't see the world as their mission field. And, and so you've got you to stretch people you gotta, and paint pictures. And you know what, what I found in, uh, in, you, in doing that day is using stories of real people that are connected to people in your church. Because you know what, when you start talking about uh, 70% of North American population is lost without Jesus, I mean, that's just a number until it's your brother, until it's your sister, until it's your mom and dad. And then it, it takes on a total different look. Until he's your cousin that lives in California and nobody's reaching them with the gospel. Or, or um, your next door neighbor that moved to Ottawa, Canada, and nobody's reaching them with the gospel. Then it becomes really, really personal. And so um, I think the first thing, one of the first things you've got to do is you've really got to expand uh, the horizon of your church so they can see the entire world as their mission field. And um, third thing is, and, and this is, um, I, I obviously know this from being a part of what's happening at NAM, but... Man, contact and utilize partners in SBC Life to connect with the people and places around the world. A lot of people are saying to me now, man, I want to get involved in church planning. I want to get involved in church planning. Our church wants to jump in and be involved in this. Well, listen, um, uh, Kevin Uzzell is doing a great job getting North American Mission Board focused on church planting. The doors are wide open. And, man, if you want to get and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this because it's really, really important. But you start connecting and uh, and you'll find opportunities. There are more people, uh, you know, it's, it's great, the generation of young guys that have been raised up in our convention that are passionate about planting churches, and they'll move to places. You know, when I came along, we were never thinking about moving there, you know. Um, it, but, man, they'll go anywhere, do anything. They just need somebody to help them, and NAM is becoming that connecting arm, and it is, it's incredible. And so utilize that. I, I love this quote. You know, even when opportunity knocks, a man still has to get up off his seat and open the door. Well, the, oh, the opportunity is there, and it's knocking. We just got to take a hold of it, and the way we can do that is through connection. The, the fourth thing, it sounds kind of weird, but you've got to shrink the field of vision and sharpen your focus. You know, I, I started doing this. That, man, we get our people visioning the world, but it's so big, and you, you feel like you're so small. You think, that this is just overwhelming. We can't, what can we do? I mean, how can I make a difference in that? And so we decided, you know what? Um, we, we're going to keep painting the picture about how big the world is, but we're going to make the world real specific about where we're going to be planting churches. And right now, we're planting churches in five areas. We're planting churches in San Diego, California, Ottawa, Canada, Miami, Florida, Panama City, Panama, and in Honduras, we're working with the IMB on reaching an unreached people group and planting a church there. And so we have very targeted, specific places. And so we have we've, we've taken the field of vision and shrunk it down and been very specific about where our focus is so that we can, we can be committed to those places and people and pour our energy, our passion, our money, our resources, our people into those five spots. And, um, and it's been incredible. It's been really, really incredible um, to see what's happened. Fifth thing on the list is strategically plan for personal investment involvement. And uh, this is where you've got to sit down and kind of get the nuts and bolts together. What are we going to do? Okay, if we're going to be a sending church, and um, this is more than just sending somebody some money. Okay, that's, that's, not, that's, that, that's the easy part. Okay. This is making a commitment to be a partner in encouragement and accountability in strategy um, 
and, the, and, and support. And all of that's critical for that, that church plant. Why so many of church plants die? I was just talking to a church planter um, just a few minutes ago, and he's in the, in, uh, in the northeast. And we started talking about some of the church plants in his area, a lot of them that had closed up, had died. And one of the reasons is the stress that's on the family. You know, a young couple from the south moved to Boston, and they're all by themselves, and they just lost all of their connections. And they don't have a, a good sending church that's, that's encouraging them and sending people to just go, hey, you're going to go to Boston um, on a business trip? Go by and take our church planner and his wife out for dinner and just sit down and talk to them and just encourage them while you're there. You don't have that. And when you're out there by yourself, I mean, you just dry up out there. And, uh, and so when, you, when you're making this commitment, you've got to sit down and strategically plan what is this going to look like so that we get personally involved in what's happening on the field. And, um, and so when we started doing that, one of the things I realized is, listen, if we're going to be serious about this, we've got to make some space in the middle. You know, we need a big man in the middle to push some people out of the way. And what I mean by that is all the money's gone. You know, it's not hard to spend the money in a local church, is it? You start mapping out the budget, da da da, da everybody's got wishes and wants. And, you know, as our staff grew, and they turn in every year, turn in their requests, they get bigger and bigger. And, man, they'll ask for more money than you got, you know. Somebody's got to be the big man in the middle make some space. Well, we said, how, how are we going to do that? The only place I could see was with our debt. And we still had about $3.5 million in debt on, on our facility. And I said, man, we, if we're going to do this right, we've got to make some space. And, of course, the economy was stunk. You know, um, I, was, I was sharing with our staff. They're looking at me like, now we're going to start trying to pay off the debt? Are you crazy? And we're just lucky we're paying the, the note. And I said, no, we need to pay this off in 18 months. And to hold me accountable on, on uh, Frontier Weights Day that year, I just got up and said it. Just, it actually came out of my mouth. We're going to pay off this debt in 18 months and take all the money and give it to church planning. And, uh, you know, I had some guys in our church said, you know, Pastor, you're a great guy. You've been here 23 years. We're real, we really love you, but you're really stupid. Um, <laughs> You know, I just don't know that this is the time to be talking about you're going to pay off this debt. And I, I didn't know how we were going to do it, and I was thinking, this is going to be, this is going to be pretty, pretty aggressive, you know. And uh, so we cut, you know, we tightened the belt. Every staff member, we called them in, hey, cut 20% off, and we challenged our people to give. And, and, and even at that, I was like, okay, we're still, we're going to be way short. And, um, but after I shared this, vision about frontier weights uh, a couple in our church um called me one day and said hey i want to I take you lunch i want to talk to you and we we go to lunch and and listen and we're not we're not a wealthy church but this guy just uh, sold a business i didn't know about and um he said you know what i was sitting up there listening on super bowl sunday that's an incredible vision and um i want to help you do that so we're writing you a check for two million dollars put that on the debt and then y'all take care of the other million and a half. And let's get this done in 18 months. November of this year, we'll be debt free. And all that money is going to go right into our church planning process, which is so incredible. What I'm saying is you have got to strategically plan for your involvement, what it's going to take, what it's going to look like, what you've got to change. You can't keep doing what you're doing and do that. It can't just be an add-on. You know, you can't just say, well, we're going to try to take, you know, if we meet our budget, we'll just take, if anything is over the budget, we'll take that and do church planning. Well, good luck with that one, okay? That's, that's not the way to do it. That's not a commitment to church planning. Um, so um, I, I just I think that's very, very important. Um, number six, you've got to get to know your, pers- your church planners. If you, don't know, if you don't have one in your church, one of the good things, I've got a couple of guys with me here that are actually going out to plant um, Churches. Uh, then one guy's been on our staff eight years. One of them's been the um, the sound director and technical director for Casting Crowns for the since two thousand and one. And he and his wife are going to uh, plant churches out of our church. So um, that's great. We already know those guys. But some of these guys we didn't know, and we're, we build you build relationship with them, with them. Find out what's going on, where they are, where they're committed to, uh, what they're doing, what their vision is, how you can help them. 
and then sustain those relationships. And then last thing is, man, you just got to jump in, you got to stay in, and you got to see it through. Um, you know, I think one of the one that with church planting, I think one of the things that uh, that we do um, too easily is give up. I think we just wave the white flag too easy. You know, um, it, it's not going to be easy. In some of the areas that we're going in, the underserved, underreached people groups, it's just tough. You know, it, it's tough, and you just can't quit. You got to stay in the game. You got to stay on the ground. You got to keep encouraging. You got to keep fueling. And, uh, and watch what God will do um, with, your, with your efforts. And uh, listen, I, I, I love what you know, Vance was saying this morning. The truth is God doesn't need any of us, but he chooses to include us in what he's doing. And when he does, listen, we need to give it everything we've got. And when we do, it's incredible to see what's happening. So uh, that's kind of our story a little bit. Of wow, what, what a done. testimony. So, uh, what I'd like to do is just open up to you guys. I'll, for Pastor Dean or Pastor Tim, just asking questions. You may be sitting there as a church think, thinking about this daunting task of what's it take to plant a church. Anything you, you're, it's on your mind that maybe these guys didn't hit, you'd like to know. Is there any questions for them? How many of you in here right now would say you're a pastor of a church right now? How many are pastors? Okay, how many are planters? And who else is here? Convention leaders, et cetera. Yeah, okay, great. Missions committee, layperson, mission committee, great. Um, how many of you in here are of the representing these churches have never planted a church? Okay, but you're here, so that tells me you're interested, right? So any, anything that these guys have experienced that you're wondering, are we going to experience that? that go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate it, but I'll just take it a bit. Of you talked about the, accountable, the, the accountability piece of that. One of the good things for you, one of the easy things for you, you already know this guy, obviously. So is maintaining a close relationship so that there is open communication and accountability. Um, you know, not just that you're lording it over somebody, but um, you get out there on your own, um, you're also susceptible to Satan's attacks. And, um, you know, you need somebody getting in your business out there because you don't have those connections that you have when you were um, on staff at your church with multiple staff members or whatever else, you know, where, where you're familiar with. And so... Maintaining that's important to me. I think it's just like any relationship. It's constant communication, uh, open communication, being honest with one another. Um, and uh, when you get to know somebody well enough, you feel the freedom to be honest and be transparent. Um, and you know you can trust them and they can trust you. I think that's important on that piece. On um, as, far as, as far as getting involved um, with the church plant, um, what you mentioned is, is important. I think sending mission teams, one of the things that helps with mission teams, not only does it help the planter with different projects that they want to do, um, but it also helps your church become personally invested with the plant and what's happening. Um, and I think that's, see, that's one of the things that I think we've missed out on for a long time in Southern Baptist life is we just send our money, send our money, send our money. And we hear about these numbers and these, you know, multiple church plants, but we lose the, the personal investment. And when your heart, when, when, when your life has been invested in a place, your heart goes there too, and you have a passion for it. I just talked to a lady Sunday, and she just got from, back from San Diego working with a church plant. She's like, oh, man, it is so cool. I've been hearing about it for It's just amazing to see what God's doing, how God's working. You know, I want to go back there every year. And, um, and I, told, I, told, I told, told her this. I said, listen, here's the deal. I'll let you go back, but you've got to go somewhere else first. And she said, why is that? Because I want you to have God's vision of the world. I want, you, I want you to have his heart for the world, not just San Diego. There's a lot of stuff going on in other places as well. And then if San Diego is the place that you're going to keep going back to, that's okay. But next place, one of these other places that are places of investment. But when they go, you see that. It happens all the time, and, uh, and that's important. Um, some people may want to move. I mean, you just challenge them and say, hey, we've got a guy going here. We need a team to go with him. And uh, some people will just say, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll pray through it. If God wants us to move, we'll move with them, and we'll go and, and uh, be a part of the, the launch team. Um, there's a lot of ways to, to be involved, um, sending cards of encouragement. I went down to Miami. I, was, uh, I popped into a, um, one of the church plants down there. Walked in, and the guy, the, the guy that's actually, this is just a church that we're helping support, sending some funds to and encouraging, walked in the door, and he said, you won't believe this. 
And he pulled a card out of his pocket. He said, I just got this in the mail. This is from, and he opened it up, one of your life groups. And Sunday, they just sat down and wrote us a card. He said, listen, you tell them this means the world to me because I feel like I'm all by myself down here. And when I get these in the mail, and I get them all the time, but it just so happened I got one today, you know, just before you walked in. And it, just, it means the world, so tell them to keep on writing. Um, all kinds of ways that you can be an encouragement and be a part of, uh, of planning. Along that encouragement, though, something that we've got to all begin to realize, especially with the landscape of North America changing and thinking outside the box, our churches have to start thinking like a missionary in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're used to sending somebody overseas and going, well, they need our encouragement because they're in a new culture mm-hmm. and they don't know where they, they know anybody. And, you know, it's really hard. Well, it's crazy hard to move to Manhattan. I moved my family with a two-week-old <laughs> baby to Manhattan uh, right after seminary. And it was like I was living overseas, and we were lonely, and we didn't know anybody, and I didn't know how to speak. I wasn't as smart as these people, and I didn't have as much money as these people, and we just didn't fit. Well, that's what happens to our international missionaries. That's what's happened with church planters all across North America. Now, sometimes it may not happen if you're planting close to home, but even then sometimes it happens. And then when you start talking multicultural planting, we've got to start sending missionaries to go build relationships with the Taiwanese and the Fujianese and the Nepalese and the Bhutanese these are all coming to North America. We've got to start thinking as the church like a missionary in North America. And that really begins helps you begin to understand that's how we have to think about our church planters. We've got to love on them, encourage them, train them, equip them, just like we think we do when we send them overseas. So great point of encouragement. Go ahead. I got a question for you. You yep. mentioned um, guys. How have we been doing it? We challenged our folks. This is what I challenged them. I said, listen, during this time, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody in here, I don't care if you're 12 years old, see, let's give 10 extra dollars a week. We're going to be paying off the debt, you know, we're giving to that, but let's just give 10 extra, this is just going to go to help fund the church plans. And we've been doing that. It's been, it's been, it's made a, a huge difference. Um, and, the, and the key for us, I was trying to remember how many different people are given to that, but um, because the, the, the numbers, and I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head how much was given, but it's been incredible. And I, and I asked our, uh, our, our finance guy when I was like, hey, how, what, how are we doing this? Are there, are there just a few people giving a lot of money to that or what? And he said, no, we got tons of people giving $5, $8 a week, $7 a week, and they give it every week. And, uh, and it's, it, it makes a difference. Now, how is that going to change when we pay off the debt? It's going to change dramatically. I mean, we're we're spending, you know, right now, um, forty six thousand dollars a month on debt. That's going to church planning. So yeah, it's going to step up a whole lot uh, when that gets paid off in in November. So, but we're just gonna we're gonna start reinvesting it, investing in these guys and what's happening. And um, um, now we're not going to expand the number. What we're going to do is. When we get, you know, when one's run, like the one in San Diego, it's almost ready to be on its own. And when it rotates off, we're going to bring another one on board. And uh, five seems to be a good number for us to keep focus and, and keep the, the relationships that we need to keep maintained and, and um, the encouragement that needs to go out. And uh, it just seems to be a good number for us. Not, it's not for everybody, but it seems to work for us. That's good. Right here. Well, just echoing what he said at the uh, uh, start of what you were talking about, prayer. Uh, I mean, I mean, let's not say, oh, yeah, we need to pray. I mean, really, I mean, we don't give enough credit to how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us when we actually acknowledge that we need his guidance in those things because it does take a tremendous amount mm-hmm. of wisdom. When are you pushing too much? When are you trying to do too much too soon? Um, and, and so, but most of the time I think we err on the other side. On the, on the side of caution. I, I found that it's my na- personal nature to be cautious. Um, but I find that, that when I believe that I'm really being led by the Holy Spirit, I find that there's a little more audacity that comes with that than what would come from me. And, and so you're doing the right thing in that you, you, or you, you yourself are personally involved in these efforts. And um, so you're, you're leading the way. And... Um, <clears throat> I, I think that it's helping us. Our church is 54 years old, I mean 58 years old, and so it helps us. It's a discipline for us to 
keep our mind off of ourselves to do this for somebody else. Um, and, uh, you know, once people kind of put their toe in the water, they find out, hey, you know, this is, this is renewing in me a, a vitality spiritually I haven't experienced in a long time. And so they want more of that. So uh, the, the more you give them, the more they want. It kind of, that's the way it tends to work. Yeah, the only thing I would, I, would, I would add is, you know, one thing you might want to do, and, and we're trying to do this now, is in your area, get four or five other churches that might join you in being a sending network for a church plant so that you can give it the support and encouragement together. We're, we're actually trying to invite some other churches in with us to be a part of what's going on. This isn't about credit. It's not about these aren't our church plants. These are God's church plants. We're just getting to be a part of it. And so just trying to get other people included so that we won't be a denomination where 97% of our churches have never birthed another church, never been a part of that process. Um, but that, um, I think that's a good thing to do too. Yeah, and specifically, I will look for somebody who already has maybe done it because as, mm-hmm. as soon as your people see another pastor another church doing it, they're like, oh, well, they're doing it. We could do that. Mm-hmm. They just don't know it. So mm-hmm. great point. Network together. Which is part of, as he said, Nam's trying to do right now through even building the Mobilize Me database is network you together to plant together. So mm-hmm. that's a great way to help. In the back. Yeah, I just have a question for you, Dean. This is a practical question. You mentioned mm-hmm. the offerings you take every year for church planning. Yeah. Do you, do you do that with, like an Amy Armstrong offering, or do you divide it, or do you not do an Amy Armstrong offering? I know you're not supposed to say that here. But uh, how does that, like just practically, how does that look? Well, well, practically, you know, you can't do it in the summer, you know, for obvious reasons. Fall, you know, people are just getting back into the gear of school and stuff. And then you got Lottie Moon, so you got to focus on that. So we just find that the, really the only other good time of the year for, the, for that offering is in late February or, or early March. And it does follow, come right before Annie Armstrong. And so we're, it has affected our giving to Annie Armstrong to some extent. However, still we still do both. And... Our sense of justification is we're definitely doing North American missions with the church plant offering because that's what it goes it goes to help plant a North American church. So, but that's at least our, I think, legitimate sense of justification for that. Yeah. Oh no, 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 and that's you know that we knew that that we would have to deal with that. Yeah. Am I still allowed to speak in these things if I say something like that? Hey, okay. listen, when I as I, Absolutely. When I was on the, the board for eight years and, and board chairman for the last two, uh, Kevin had a lot of, and I had a lot of conversations about that because, um, you know, um, churches have a passion for getting involved. We don't need to be a hindrance for churches getting involved. We need to help fuel them in getting involved. Instead of always looking for somebody to give, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, um, a change of mentality and... Um, a ministry strategy at NAM, and you've seen some of the fruit of that. But the bottom line is, NAM's here to serve the church. So if if you're going to say, "Hey, we're going to go plant another Southern Baptist church in Miami, or we're going to do that in North Carolina, or we're going to do it in Boston, or we're going to do it in New York," great. And if that takes some of that money, that's fine. It's still going to what we're doing. This is what we're about, and um, you know, um, we're not diminishing the the influencer effect of. Annie Armstrong offering on uh, NAM's ministry, but hey, we want to encourage churches to invest in other churches um, and not discourage that. Yeah, it's still up. Last thing, Jason, I don't know if you've heard any latest. Kevin uh, announced to our denomination leaders of Monday there were around 10% over where we were last year. So God, we're, God's providing. We know that as God's kingdom gets together and does the work, we're not concerned. God's at work. And well, we're just going to ride the wave. And here's part of the thing with that. It's just like what Dean mentioned with his search, what mentioned with ours, is you know, when people see, when, I mean, people that are believers or followers of Jesus want to be involved in impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus. And when they hear that and see that, even though it, like for us, it was a very challenging time economically in our community, our people jumped into that. For him, same thing. I mean, it, it's the same thing's happened in our convention. I think that's what's happened with NAM. Hey, we've gotten focused. This is what we want to focus on and do, and people have gotten, are getting behind it, and churches are getting behind it and, um, and fueling it. 
which is great. Yep. Hey, these are great questions, uh, and I'm getting a question to me through text right now. Um, I need to. I want to wrap it up. Thank these guys for um, participating and sharing their story. Thank you, gentlemen. What I want to do is take three minutes to give you some next steps. Again, what we've said here with the Sin North America Conference, uh, one of our main goals is to help you take your next step in whatever it is. And so I want to give you some examples of what some next steps for you might be as you leave today. Take ownership of a church plant just as a parent takes ownership of a child. That's how I would help describe for you what ascending church, what these men are doing and leading their churches. That's an easy way to explain it. Uh, training I'm going to talk about here in a second. We use the daughter church mentality. That's how I would help you understand to become ascending church. Begin thinking of taking ownership of a plant just like you take ownership of your child. What would you do to nurture your child, to take care of your child, to provide for your child, to encourage your child? It's what it kind of means to start thinking sending church. The other terminology you hear us passing around and talking about, and you'll see it on the cards around at the exhibit area, is supporting church. We believe a supporting church is those that maybe a network of churches get together, and they all maybe uh, participate, send uh, people, send resources, pray. They're supporting that planter, but somebody is the sending church who's taking ownership. But then supporting churches may come around that sending church to help also support that planter. Average partners for a church, especially in a Real urban context is anywhere from 10 to 20 church partners to make that happen. So there needs to be a lot of supporting churches. But we've got to have one sending church who's taken ownership and loves on that planter and says, if you succeed, we succeed. If you fail, we fail. At Hope, we used to like to say, we hold the ropes. We're holding the ropes for that planter. If all the other partners go away, we're not. We're holding the ropes. We're going to do what it takes to make that happen. So that's how it would help you kind of grasp real quick the sending church mentality. Ascending church prays, participates, and provides, whatever that looks like for you. You're praying intentionally. You're participating. You're sending your people. You're providing, whether it's finances like you guys have taught, or it might just be sending extra children ministry supplies you've got. It might be sending a sound system you've got. You'll see some of the practical needs at the booth right now that some of the church planners need. Tons of them just need sound equipment. They're going to start this church. Some of you have got sound equipment sitting in your closet, and they have nothing. So there's just practical things that you can provide for churches. Um, we believe Ascending Church, of course, is c- committed to the Baptist Faith Mess 2000 and gives cooperatively, and you're encouraging your plant to do the same. Again, because we believe God's in it and we're in it together. Southern Baptists for centuries have given cooperatively so we can do more together than we can ever do separate. And so we believe a good Ascending Church models that and teaches its daughter to continue doing that so we continually have resources to give to more planters in the future. Think intentionally rather than just recruiting. We have an epidemic in Southern Baptist life. We have a tons of planters coming out of schools and seminaries with no sending church. These two gentlemen here have led their churches uh, in most parts to help adopt planters who are no sending church. I, I, I was one of those. I left my home church, went to school, kind of lost touch with that home church. Got called really out. God called me out to international and different types of missions while I was at school in a way through God using people in my life. My home church wasn't involved at that time. Now they are. Well, we have several men who are going to school. They're losing touch with their home church. God's calling them out to plant a church, and they have no mother church. So we have an epidemic of guys coming out and not having mama church. So we've got to help find you guys who want to be sending churches like these gentlemen's churches to adopt those planters and be sending churches. However, we're never going to see a movement of God in church planting until our churches start seeing their people as the planters. If we all go to only recruit the best and the brightest out of the schools and the seminaries, we're never going to get there because everybody's going to look for that guy. As some of you guys said, I think you mentioned it, once people start hearing that you're about church planter, maybe another workshop it was in, people start coming to you saying, hey, support me too. Well, that, that's what's happening. We only three, between 3 and 4%, we would say the Southern Baptist Convention is intentionally involved in church planting. That's only about 1,800 churches or 55,000 churches that are intentionally involved in some way or another church planting. Well, guess who's getting all the church planting proposals? All the church planters know who those 1,800 churches are, and they're going to them saying, help me, help me, help me. I was the mission pastor at Hope. I had about 10 on my desk every month. Mission pastor sitting right here, and he knows what I'm talking about. They're sitting on his desk. I don't blame him. If I was a planter, I'd be doing the same thing. We've got to raise up the rest of our Southern Baptist Convention to go do the same, but we've got to think intentionally rather than recruiting and raise up and make leaders intentionally within our congregations to be the planters. The planters of the next generation are sitting in our pews and in our seats and in our schools and where we're having church. We've just got to think intentionally about how can I see that plumber become a planter? How can I see that doctor become a planter? How can I see that college student become a planter? And what are we doing to think intentionally to raise them up and send them out? As Vance said, it's our sending capacity, not our seeding capacity, that we measure success. 
very clearly practical next steps, watch Churches Planting Churches videos on our sinnetwork.net new site. We're coming out to help provide resources in the church planting realm of thanking for planters and churches. We're hosting some sinnetwork.net. It's the second uh, bullet here. We're going to have we're having some videos being posted right now that are teasers into the Churches Planting Churches training. Um, well, my little dot's not working right here. So part of my uh, uh, job at the North American Mission Board is to help not only mobilize the churches, but have a team to help equip you to do this. So as I said in the beginning, there's trains all over the place to help that planter, train that planter. Where's the train to help the church do this? How do I take my church like these guys have done from casting vision, what are the biblical principles of why we do it, how we do it, moving all the way into how you make disciples that lead to planting, how you do a budget for a planter, What's this look like with my church? How do I, what's the difference between a core team and a launch team? And what's the difference in how I send people out? Churches planting, churches training is the training we're beginning to roll out. And we're going to have approximately four trainings uh, per region over the next year. So about 20 to 25 trainings will be offered for you to sign up for. If you go to the sinnetwork.net site, we're beginning to post those training dates on the training tab under church mobilization training where you can look at the dates, you can click there, uh, email us, we want to, we'll get you more information on how to register, but our regional mobilizers and other mobilizers will be leading these trains. It's a two to two and a half day intense training where you come to one location and spend two and a half days, literally by the time you walk out of the training, you've got a skeleton of a proposal of how you could go back and lead your church to plant a church. Whether you do it or not is up to you. We want to give you the tools and resources to think about it and to go for it. So some of your next steps are watch those videos and get kind of a sneak peek of the Churches Plant and Churches training. You might want to sign up to go to the Churches Plant and Churches training and take that next step. You might want to go to the booth uh, this uh, today and find a planter and adopt a planter. You might want to adopt just to pray for him. Maybe one of your steps is help your people not push too far. Maybe we just need to find a guy who needs prayer support and let's just pray. And you'll be amazed to see what God does in the life of your church. You say, we're just going to pray for this guy for this many months who's working in Boston or Vancouver or L.A., we're just going to pray. Then see how God moves your people. So when we talked about praying before, praying for that wisdom leadership, but just praying for those planters. You might need to go adopt a planter today. Just pray. Maybe you need to pray, participate, and or provide. That's up to you and how God leads you, but that's the next step. Maybe you need to raise up a planter. You might be thinking right now already, man, I think so-and-so could be a planter. Hey, I think my youth pastor could be a planter one day. What is it going to take to help him go do that? What, who and how could you raise up a planter? Or you might adopt a city. It's another option. Uh, Tim out in their churches have decided to adopt, you heard, Miami. What's it look like to adopt a city and begin praying for a city and then see how church planting comes out of that? Maybe God's got a city on your heart. How can we begin adopting a city? Again, our regional exhibits downstairs in the Debbie Hall, are, that's why they're there. We have our city coordinators from all of our 29 sin cities uh, for each region. Go down there, learn about some of the cities, ask questions. What's it like? What are the needs? How many planters do you have? How many do you need? And begin praying for a city and ask God to lead your church. Where might he be leading us? It could be who's he leading us to. It might be where's he leading us to. God speaks in different ways to different churches. But that uh, could also be a next step for you. Uh, you have a card that was given to you. If you need a NAM's help in any of those next steps, or maybe a next step I didn't mention, maybe you need to meet somebody, maybe you've heard something that you want to know more about, put that on that card, give it to one of our guys on the way out. They will collect those, and our promise to you is we'll follow up one way or another, whether it's uh, currently today through the text options and the app you've heard about or whether it's once we get back in the office this week, we will follow up and help you take your next step and whatever that is.